clothes aren't just clothes. They have the ability to change how we feel about ourselves and how we express ourselves. Clothes are the backdrop to the events that shape who we are. Each episode, we will address in a frank and honest way the topics that affect women like you, women like us, and shape how we feel about ourselves and the way we dress. This week on Mooboo's Fashion Unplugged, we are going to talk about the very important topic of breast cancer and the effects that this has on women going through it, both physically and emotionally. Breast cancer affects so many women, with one in seven UK females being diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. Knowing someone close to you or going through this yourself is obviously a massive life-changing experience. We want to share the importance of checking yourself because the earlier breast cancer is diagnosed, the better the chance of successful treatment. And to join us this week on the podcast, we have a very, very special guest, Marie, who is a content creator. You may know her from Sparkle and Thread on Instagram, and she is currently going through breast cancer treatment. So she's going to share her story and also give us her thoughts on how her clothing and style can help how she feels through this time. So hello Marie. Hello Jen. How are you? I'm all right. I'm good. You've caught me on a good day. So everyone, you know, everyone's happy. So yeah, good. Good, good. And I did just ask you that and you said you'd had a rough day yesterday, hadn't you? But but today you're feeling a bit better, which is good. So if we, I'll do a little intro for you, shall I? Obviously you'll probably be able to hear that Marie is from the Midlands. If you like the Midlands on this podcast, it's not, you don't have to be from the Midlands. But But it helps. Yeah, we're attracting (laughs) you, which is good. So Maria's a Wolverhampton girl through and through, now living in Shropshire. She's a mum to Archie and dog mum to Dolly and Sybil. And to say she has a slight addiction to shopping is probably underselling it slightly. 100% you have got an addiction, but so have I. <laughs> Just made businesses out of it, haven't we? That's, that's the difference. She spent the majority of her career in banking and finance, but more recently working with her fiancé, James, who recently set up his own business. Her love of clothes and fashion started from a really early age, and her Instagram page was born from her friends encouraging her to share her style and fashion ideas. And you're very glad that they did that. I am. I am. I, I did try the page a few for probably for about a few months and then I gave up because it just felt like a bit too much hard work. And then I got a bit of a kick up the bum from friends again saying, come on, persist with it. So I gave it another go and I'm really, really glad that I did. So how long ago was that? When did you start doing it? Probably, well, probably, I probably set it up about two and a half years ago, really. But like I said, I dipped in and dipped back out. And at that point as well, I was working full time in quite a, a stressful job and a responsible job. So it just felt like I just couldn't really commit to it. Um, but pro- properly in terms of I've gone for it probably the last 18 months. And because it is hard, isn't it? I don't think people mm. realise how difficult it is to be an influencer on Instagram. Is that why you gave up to begin with then? What was it? Because obviously you're working full time, so you do have to dedicate a lot of time to you it. You do, you do. And it is fun and I love it, so I'm not complaining about it at all. But, it, it, you know, to get something that looks like a seven or eight second reel on Instagram probably takes a good hour at least. Yeah. And I try to get into a bit of a routine where I'd usually tend to use my Sundays as a day where I'd create content and I could be literally, you know, upstairs for five, six hours on a Sunday. And then you've got about a three hour clear up exercise after because it literally looks like a, a clothing bomb has gone off. Um, and and I can imagine, you know, exactly. And I'm sure everybody can <laughs> associate do. with that that does anything from a from a fashion real perspective. 
But I do love it and I love clothes. I love dressing up. I love dressing down. It's fun for me. It's, you know, it's not a chore and it's not a mm. job. And I never really intended, and I still don't really know what I want to get out of it. I, you know, I don't do it from a financial perspective. I just love clothes and I love sharing ideas. And one of the biggest things I love more than anything is A, value for money, but B, people looking at an item they've already got in their wardrobe. Yeah. And thinking I would never have thought to put that with that and making stuff out of things you've already got or wearing something five or six different ways. So that's genuinely the angle that I try to go for where I buy one item and I try and give people three or four ideas on how to wear it. I I love that about you. I love your um, Instagram. I think it's fab. And I think, as you say, it's inspiration, isn't it? And it's exactly that because, you know, you do, you do need inspiration still. And I think I take that from everywhere. And when you, when you're a creative person, you do, don't you? And I love looking at yours and sort of saying, oh yeah, that's that. And I could do that. And I just think when you've got so much that you need to create, you know, you do need that extra input as well. That is the biggest feedback that I get from people around. I would never have thought to have worn that with that or, gosh, I've got a blue jumper. I've got a black skirt and I wouldn't have thought to have done that. And for me, I just love getting value for money and getting my wear out of things. So if it just gives people different ideas on how to put stuff together, then that's great. So I'm going to ask you to, to, I suppose, introduce yourself a little bit in terms of where where you're up to on your journey with, with breast cancer and what you want to because I'm like I said to you before, I'm going to take my lead from you. Um, so you sort of tell us what you want to tell us. And then in there, we'll sort of grapple some sort of a discussion around it. We'll find something. But Okay. You need to give me a virtual signal though, Jen, because I can ramble for ages. So you need to kind of like, you know, yeah. wave your arms. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, yeah. So I've, I've, I've suffered with cysts in my breasts for probably about 15 years now. So I'm not a stranger to checking um, for mm-hmm. lumps and I'm not a stranger to finding lumps either. I've probably had about four or five cysts over the 15 years and I've always checked in the shower every week, once a week. And I've always been fortunate enough as well to have gone back to the same consultant every time I've found a cyst and gone back to the same lady who is phenomenal um, and she knows exactly what she's looking for and every time I walk in she always says oh Marie not another cyst and every time I respond saying I really hope so so I went to see her back in probably around September time August September and lay on the bed as normal and I could probably tell straight away from her face that it looked very different to the four or five times I've seen her before. So what was different? She just, she was just unsure. Every time I've been to see her before, she was pretty confident instantly that it was a cyst. Um, and she'd either dealt with it there and then or gave me the reassurance it would go on its own. And um, whereas this time I could just see that kind of expression on her face of, mm, I'm not quite sure this is as cut and dry right. as it normally is. Yeah. So she did um, a good old thorough check and sent me to have a mammogram straight away, which I went for straight away. And then she also referred me then for um, a biopsy and an ultrasound. So I then that, that appointment come through in the following day. So I went for that. And I remember the, the doctor that was doing the ultrasound walked in and, and rubbed her hands and said, right then, Marie, I'm, I've seen nothing to cause me any concern on the mammogram, but you're here now. So let's do the full check. Let's do what we put you in to do and we'll just make sure. So she obviously went with uh, for the ultrasound and within seconds, she was like, oh, okay, um, that's a bit odd. And she actually asked me if I'd been kicked by a horse or had like a blunt force trauma, yeah, because the, the way the lump, because the, the lump that I've got now, which I'd never had this before, is almost on the breastbone where the bra, the bone of your bra sits. Right. Like right in the that middle. Just Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. totally. And um, Whereas all my cysts before have been very much on the breast. 
Uh, so she was a bit unsure about the positioning of it and the, the, the how hard it was and the size of it. And she did the ultrasound and did the biopsy. And they also sent me for a second mammogram as well there and then, which I went for. And then it was a grappling 14 days until I heard from the consultant to get me booked in to tell me the outcome. And I remember sitting in the waiting room with James, my other half, and a woman walked in and sat down and she got a headscarf on and she got an eight-year-old son. And I just looked at her and looked at James with almost like a bit of a sympathetic face to say, Christ, you know, not only is she going through that, but she's got like kids as well. That must be really awful. Little did I know that in about four or five minutes, I was about to be told the same. Mm. So I sat down and again, because I'd met this consultant a number of times before, I got her personality when you walk in a room, how she greet you. And again, that was just very different. So I sat down and she did just cut to the chase really. And, and how she started it off was, this isn't the news that we'd hoped we'd got for you. And straight away then everything just stopped. And I know it's, it's surreal and we watch films and everybody's experience is different, but it, it was then as if everything I heard was underwater. It was kind of slow and slurred yeah. and... I didn't really take a lot, a lot of it in. I just froze, really. I didn't, I didn't feel the need to cry. I just froze. It was just like a, like a real shock. And then, yeah, she talked me through. So then she did follow up with the fact that it, I had caught it really, really early. And it was a really good prognosis. And that um, it was a really small tumour as well. So she was really positive. Can I just pick up? Sorry, I'm so sorry. Just jumped but just something that was when we were looking at, because obviously we've done a bit of research into this, and one of the stats on there is that when it's diagnosed at its earliest stage, it actually says on here that all 100% of people with breast cancer will survive their disease for um, when it for one year or more, with compared with two in three at 66% when the disease is diagnosed at the latest stage. Mm-hmm. So the earlier you can get it is absolutely important because then you put things off sometimes don't we You do yeah you do absolutely and that's natural because you kind of you know you just don't want to know and I think ignorance is bliss sometimes mm-hmm. um but I, I've never been any obviously because I've suffered with cysts before I'm the opposite to that I'm always mm-hmm. very much knowledge is power the more you know the more you're armed with you know to deal with stuff yeah. and as, as much as that might not be nice You've got to deal with it anyway if it isn't great. So you're better off dealing with it sooner than you are later because, like you've just said, you've got a much better chance of, you know, of, of getting of fighting that and getting yeah. rid of it. And that's with everything, really. Yeah. And I think one one thing that we forget as well is actually we're not just looking for lumps. It isn't just lumps that you're looking for. You know, there's things like swelling, discharge, rash, changing the skin, like dimpling or thickness of the skin around the breast any unusual pain, um, also checking your armpits. You're not just checking your breast when you're in the shower once a week, check your armpits for your lymph nodes and um, any nipple inversion. So it isn't just lumps we're looking for. So I think we're just probably, and I certainly wasn't that educated at all. I just literally was looking for lumps and I did just check my breast. I didn't look at my, my underarms either. So I think it's really important as well to know what you're looking for. And a lot of us just don't. You don't do it. No, you don't do it. And I think the more, and this is something as well that it's quite interesting because I've said to a lot of people that this is a story that you tend to tell someone about somebody else. It's never a story that you think's ever going to happen to you. And I, I look, I catch myself in the mirror as I walk past, like either with no hair if I'm walking around the house without anything on or with a headscarf on or attractively with a woolly hat on walking around the house because I've got a cold head. And it shocks me, you know, I don't recognise sometimes the person I see looking back, but that, that's absolutely fine because it's temporary, you know, and, and, and that's absolutely fine. But, you know, it's, it, is, it is a story that you tend to talk about somebody else supposed to yourself. And we do put stuff off. And the biggest thing I can stress to anybody is don't because 
the only reason that I will have the outcome that I will have yeah. and that I'm undergoing the treatment plan that I'm going through is because I caught it really early. Yeah. And just to give you some context, the my tumour was around 1.2 centimetres by 1 centimetre, which is really small. I have a friend who's recently gone through this and actually after her whole chemo session, when she had her lump removed, so after eight sessions of chemo and 16 weeks of treatment, her lump was that size then. So I'm really fortunate that I'm starting off with it that size. And the consultant reckons that I probably caught this probably anything between one to three months in. And obviously, and the type of, of, of breast cancer that I've got as well is triple negative, which means that it doesn't need hormones to grow. So mm-hmm. my, my cancer grows quite aggressively. So obviously, the longer I'd have left that, yeah. the worse it would have been. And I would never, under any circumstances, be looking at a 16-week treatment plan with the hope of um, you know full-on um, cure after and they're they're really like everybody that does all the mammograms and and everyone in the in the hospitals are really they want you to go and check it don't mm-hmm. they they're, they're, they do. they're wonderful and lovely and absolutely you know they, they want you to come and see it so don't ever feel like you're putting on anybody or I think sometimes being women as well we're like oh I don't know I can't do that because yeah you know what am I going to say and actually you know it's they, they want you to go and do it so I think that that's something to stress to people that just don't don't put it off and if you think yeah. it is or you think there's something funny weird whatever diff, change different so from what you're saying anything at all that might be mm-hmm. have changed I suppose is it is yeah. that what it is where it's changed absolutely just something different and if yeah. your gut's telling you that there's something not right then just follow I have been I'm always a gut person follow your gut and do something about it and what you've just said resonates with me because I remember seeing one doctor years ago and he said that to me don't ever be a pain always come back always check it out I'd rather see you a hundred times and it'd be nothing and then you sit there thinking I'm not going to bother them again because I think we do tend to think that don't we We so that resonates completely yeah definitely definitely so I was diagnosed, saw the consultant, and that was a massive shock. And the biggest thing for me, which I'm sure for anybody um, who's a parent, it was telling Archie, yeah. my son. How did you decide? What did you, when When did you tell him? Did you tell him sort of as soon as you'd heard there was something or? Yeah, straight away, because he, he was at home when we went for the appointment. And again, he was used to me going to the, to the consultant because I have insists. I've always been very open about stuff like that. So when I went, he knew where I was going and um, we played it down massively. I was very much, oh, it'll be another cyst, it's fine. I'm just going to get checked out, always right to be sure. Um, so when we came back, he was actually on the doorstep waiting for us. And he opened the door and said, how have you got on, mum? And I said, come on, mate, let's get in, we'll have a chat. And he was like, what do you mean? Have you got on? So he, he kind of obviously got the gist when I said, mm. come on, let's just have a chat. And I didn't really prepare. James and I on the 25-minute drive home talked about how we were going to tell him. And I just said to him, I don't really want to prepare or think about it. I just want it to kind of, I am a bit of a wingy person. I said, I just want it to come out naturally, really. So that that initial sentence of, you know, so it, it isn't what we hoped it would be. I have got to have some treatment instantly sends shockwaves and it sets panic in but I followed that up very quickly with but this is just temporary once I've had that treatment I'm going to be fine we're going to have a crap few months but after that we will get back to normal and obviously he was shocked clearly I'm very upset but he's got a great network of friends and family around him that have supported him his school have been phenomenal as well so yeah so he was great and then within you know within a couple of hours he felt strong enough to ask me questions about it The next hardest thing was seeing me shaving my head. That was the yeah. next hardest thing for him. Yeah. But within about two hours, he was singing songs about me being bald and making <laughs> songs up. So that was short-lived. I am 
quite a humorous, I tend to take the mickey out of most situations, really. And that's how we get on with things at home, too. So, you know, that helps. Um, but yeah, telling him was definitely the hardest thing. And then telling, obviously, family and friends. And because I'd kind of got my head around it pretty quickly. And again, I think it's because I caught it early. Good diagnosis. And I'm quite a, you know, a, it is what it is kind of person. Really, well, I just like get on with it. positive person as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think, yeah, well, in this situation, you de- it definitely helps. But also I found that I was just managing other people's emotions, really, because obviously every, it's, I think it's harder for other people than it is for you. Because I think if I, if I put myself in their situation, if one of my breast friends told me that they'd got breast cancer, I'd be more, I'd be devastated. There were times when I'd got friends absolutely sobbing on my shoulder and I'm like, it's like they're thinking, oh, I should be crying, <laughs> but I'm not. I can't even force one out. So you were worrying about them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and my mom, she's 85. So, you know, having your daughter go through this and I've got loads of sisters who are literally going through with, with every step of the way with me. Yeah, so, you know, for other people, it was hard as well. Um, but the, like I said, the good news was that caught it early so I've got eight treatments over a 16-week period so once a fortnight I'm in hospital every other Wednesday I go for blood to check that my levels are good enough and I'm strong enough and fit enough to go through um, chemo and then every other Thursday I go in the first four treatments are one particular drug that tend to knock you about quite a bit which I have definitely suffered from and then the next four is a drug that's a bit less invasive and that has less side effects hopefully generally that happens so hopefully that happens to me as well and then after that whatever you know depending on what's happened possible surgery possible radiotherapy but you know there's no reason that that you know it should all be gone right so you're just so you just sort of take it each step as it comes then absolutely Absolutely. yeah done and then yeah I mean it's such a huge thing isn't it god it is it is I think if you think of it as a whole host of if, if you think of it end to end it's daunting so I tend to just go week by week so once I've got one down right three down right four down fifth down so I think if you break it down it doesn't seem as daunting no and how um Obviously, it's a big, big change in your life that's affected your body in lots of different ways, including, you know, your appearance. Although you are, she looks absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) And so can you explain how those changes have made you feel within yourself and, you know, what sort of physical and mental things you've had to deal with? Yeah, yeah. So obviously the, the main one from a physical perspective is your hair loss. Yeah. And if you'd have asked me 12 months ago, if you were diagnosed with breast cancer, what would your biggest issue be? I'd have probably said losing yeah. my hair. But the reality is when it happens to you, to start with, it was a bit of a problem. It was, you know, it was a big deal. And that's probably what brought the tears more than anything, which sounds a bit shallow, really. No, God, no. There's, there's nothing about this sounds shallow, Marie. Nothing. How far into your treatment were you then when you started to lose your hair? I was probably, and this is a funny story, I was about four weeks in really when I started losing my hair. But on the morning of my first treatment, James took me to a wig shop and I panic bought a wig because I genuinely thought that I'd come out of treatment on the afternoon with no hair. I thought that it would all just go and I panic bought this wig that's horrific. And that was very expensive. And I've named it Gail Platt because <laughs> it has a resemblance of Gail Platt. She's fine under a beret, but on her own. She's not seeing the daylight at all. Not to go unattended. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, so obviously the hair loss was, you know, initially a big deal. But then when it, I, my hairdresser was a phenomenal, she cut it into a bob. And I remember we were both crying at the end. Um, in the in, Well, we were trying to hold it together because the salon was quite busy, but we were crying at the end. But I was only crying because I loved my new hairstyle so much. I was just gutted. I was only going to get about a month out of it. I wasn't gutted that I'd lost all my hair. 
Um, but it means that I've got something to aspire to when it all grows back. It did look lovely. Really nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so it started to fall out about four weeks in. And then I just thought, oh, do you know what? I just want it gone. I hated hair all over the place. So I got my sister around who, who, who back in the day was a hairdresser and she shaved it all off for me. So that went and I was fine with it. Were you all right that day when you were doing that? Totally fine. Yeah, I just wanted it gone. And I don't know whether it's because I took a bit of control and that was probably one of the small things I could control really. Um, and I'd already come to terms with the fact that it's falling out anyway. I did do the cold cap which is a cap that put, they put on your hair to try re- to stop your hair falling out. I did that for my first two treatments, which was brutal and it didn't work. What is it? It's like, so imagine like, you know, like those cold pack, the cold like compresses you put in the freezer that are quite, they're like gel that you put in your freezer. It's like, imagine about seven of those stitched together in a strip. They literally wrap that around your head. And then there's another one on the top that goes on the top of your head. And then they put on top of that, like made out of a wetsuit material, like a cap, like a swimming cap. So it's literally cold to your, like tight to your head. And then they plug in two tubes and attach it to a machine that literally takes it to like sub-zero temperatures. So your head is, and, and it has to be on for an hour before treatment and two hours after. Wow. So that was on for about six hours. I didn't even know that was a thing. Never. So that's like proper brain freeze, that isn't it? You know, full you on. Cold yeah, full on. Milkshake or something and it's horrendous. That must be so painful. Absolutely. And that's what it's like. It almost, it almost burns more than freezes really. And it was brutal. And to be fair, it definitely added to the trauma of the chemo session because I've had one session without it and I, it was a, it was a breeze. So everybody, it's horses for courses and I'd never advise anybody for and against because it's, it's personal choice. But had I had my time again, I wouldn't have done it. I absolutely wouldn't have done it. No, but you've, you have to try things. It's like anything, you have to try it and decide what's right for you. You do, absolutely. You. Yeah, definitely. That was the cold cap, so you're not doing the cold caps. That's gone. Well, I've got no hair now, Jen, so no. definitely not doing the cold cap. No, really. <laughs> Really if they could do the cock up on my lashes, that'd be great because I've still got a few, but I'm not quite sure they can. <laughs> well, you're rocking the headscarf. Thank you. <laughs> you do, you look amazing. So your hair was the biggest thing. Absolutely, yeah. So the hair was the biggest thing. And then in terms of everything else, really, there's not, there isn't massive amount of change and, and everybody's different again. Like, you know, I'll always caveat that, that everybody's experiences are different. Um, other than obviously feeling really poorly and even every, every round of chemo that I've had my side effects have been different each time my experiences have been different each time the only other things I'd call out is I'm really pale I look like a jellyfish but I, I, I do anyway I normally fake tan but I can't be bothered to fake tan right now so that's that um my skin tends to be a lot drier now I can tell that my skin's a lot drier and quite tender to touch you know when you're coming down with like a cold and you you feel like your clothes hurt it's like that all the time and I just look ill, <laughs> without any slap on. I just do. I look like an ill person. You, you recover. Your body is fighting, isn't exactly, it? Exactly. Absolutely. And and it's like you know. And I've said you know. And we'll come on to it in a bit. I'm sure. But I'm absolutely fine with all of those things. And, and you know, I, I talk about this brutal drug. The first four sessions that I'm on is the brutal drug that I hate. But actually, it's saving my life. Yeah. Um, and the worse I feel, hopefully, the better it's doing. So you know, you kind of just take it for what it is, really. In terms of like mental changes, not not hugely for me. And I know, again, that's not the same for everybody. I just feel gratitude really about the fact that I've been diagnosed with what I have been diagnosed with. And I just try and focus on the positives. 
How I deal with it mentally is that I've pressed pause on my life on the 20th of October, which was my first treatment. And I'll press play again after the 26th of January when my last one kicks in. And that's how I've dealt with it. Like, So what happens in those three, four months, actually, it doesn't count towards anything. How I look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count how I feel. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. And what I'm going through, and I'll pick it back up in January and then really refocus on getting my life back, getting me back. You've got to look after yourself, haven't you? More, yeah. More than anything else. That's totally. During that time and almost hunker down you know and do everything you can exactly and I have said and one of my I've got two favorite sayings one is head down and crack on because you've got no choice but to go through it so just get your head down just get on with it and then my second one is brighter days are coming they're my two favorite things because again that's what keeps me mentally focused on the future as opposed to thinking of where I am at the moment that's very much around the the kind of like changes and, and in terms of changes that I didn't know about the there aren't that many. The only well, and the reason why there aren't that many changes that I didn't know about is because Instagram is the most phenomenal place. And once I shared my story, I was honoured that so many people also shared some of their personal stories with me that have gone through this or that have been with someone very close that has. So I felt like I'd got an abundance of information really quickly, and again that prepared me. But not everybody's going to have access to that. I'm just really yeah. fortunate that I've got that fantastic Instagram community. But there are other places that you can go to to find that out. So there's places like somewhere called Copperfield. They're on Instagram. They're brilliant for giving you information. Absolutely. Breast Cancer Now, they, you know, there's nothing on there that you can't find that prepares you for what you're about to go through. And then another one called Future Dreams. And they really focus on um, promoting breast, breast health awareness um, and, and um, early early you know catching it early so there's places that you can go to to find all this stuff out but the biggest shock for me is I'm always hot I am not a hot person I'd be on a beach wrapped around with a towel around me but now we sleep with the window open James literally like wakes up and has to thaw out every morning yeah my body temperature's just increased massively so I'll take that which is great when there's obviously a heating crisis on yeah lots of money and being engaged to a Yorkshireman every cloud Come and get in your bed with you. Absolutely. Like a big hot water bottle. Yeah. But no. So, yeah, lots of physical changes. Not many mental changes, but I think that's because I've almost pressed stop and then I'll press play again. And, yeah, and I'm just really blessed with the information I've got through some of the fantastic people that I've connected with on Instagram. So have Instagram really helped you? Because I know, obviously, you've got loads of followers and I bet that's been really nice, hasn't it? Because especially if you're feeling down and sort of, you know, trying to get us through, having all those people. Yeah, totally. Uh, people sharing their own experiences and, uh, again, accepting that everybody goes through different things, but getting bits of information, referring me to loads of places. I wouldn't have known about Copperfield or breast cancer now if it wasn't for some of the ladies that have reached out to me on here. I, honestly, I am overwhelmed by the connections and the relationships and the friendships that I've made on Instagram, you know, since sharing my yeah. outcome. And I suppose because they've, you know, a lot of people that have, have been through it, I'm assuming, have been in touch and sort of given you that that positivity and, you know, they look like you say, look into the future. Yeah. Um, so knowing so, because it's like a support group, it isn't is. it, really? If it really coming- is. And not only are people that have gone through it and that have come out the other end. So again, you know, there's some fantastic people I follow on here that have gone through it and that come out and you, I can see what, you know, the person they are now and they're just living their life and, back to normal if not more you know enhanced for going through this crap uh, am I allowed to say crap 
Gosh, right, that's oh, fabulous. Right. Thank you. Good, good. <laughs> but, but ladies that are also currently going through it or actually that have just been diagnosed and, that are, you know, scared as hell about, you know, I've been told I've got to go through chemo. What's it like? And knowing that I'm helping them or giving a bit back or sharing some of my experiences, that that's fantastic as well. That's a bit of therapy for me too. So, yeah, I, I, honestly, I am so, I feel so blessed and honoured to have, the, the, you know, to have made some of the connections that I've made. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's good, isn't it? It's, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of things that social media doesn't help, but I think bringing people together is definitely yeah, absolutely huge positive. So, do you think that that or do you feel like there are certain things you can do that can have a positive effect on the way that you're feeling? So, obviously, at the moment, you know, you had having good days and bad days. So, what do you think, or what what have you found makes you feel good inside and outside at the moment? Honestly, I think. Whatever works for everybody individually, really. So when when I went through this, I, I, I smirk, I smile at myself for my naivety because when I went to the consultant, my, I think my second question, I got a list of nine questions. My second question was, stupidly, will I still be able to go to the gym? Well, on the basis that for seven days, I don't, can't even get out of bed. I just find that really ironic that I thought that was really important to me at that time. And I'd already lined up as well because I'd, I'd, I'd I'm not a gym bunny at all, but James and I were getting married in February this year. So I joined a gym and I'd really got into it to kind of get myself fit and ready for the big day. Um, and I'd already lined up the, the instructor to do like individual yoga classes with me rather than go into a busy gym with lots of people and fear of infection. And again, I look back and just think, God, you know, if only I could just like walk to the toilet on my own, <laughs> that would be great. But again, you know, I've got, I had best intentions and, and that's, you know, and I think you have to have best intentions. You don't know, do you? And how are you going to know that unless you go through it or unless you've listened to someone like yourself say that? And I think, I think that's really important to understand how how you're going to feel and what mm. you're going to be able to do to get yourself ready exactly. to be able to deal with it. Exactly. if you didn't know that, you know, would that, would that be harder then to, to expect that you could do it and then it'd hit you and, you, and everything? I think so. I think, I, I don't, I, you know, I just think maybe you just try, everybody would naturally try and keep their life as normal as possible. And, you know, I had best intentions around food as well. When I went to the consultant, he talked about a particular diet to go on where you, you know, you don't eat lots of food that have got lots of hormones in like dairy and meat, but you eat lots of, you know, kale and spinach and all those good things that are known for fighting, you know, cancer mm. and, and keeping, you know, trying to reduce your, your chances of getting something like cancer. So the fridge was full to the brim with all these colourful foods. But actually the reality is, you know, you just need to eat what you fancy. My appetite's changed massively. So on my first round, the only thing I could eat was jacket potatoes. So I had 16 jacket potatoes in four days. I had four jackets a day. I don't, I haven't ate that in a year. (laughs) But needless to say, now I I can't even look at a jacket potato without feeling sick. I like a jacket potato, but I I don't have 16. I know. It was literally the only thing I could eat when, you know, I shouldn't have ate that really if you look at the textbook, but that's what I needed. And at the time, that's what I wanted. So I just had it. And listen to your body as well, don't you? And if that's absolutely, yeah, totally. My body tells me when to sleep and what I want to eat. And I just have to go with that, really. So I had best intentions. And, and, you know, there's food, you go off food as well. So, you know, there's times when I've wanted something, but actually, then the next, James has, but, you know, cucumber and dips was my big thing. So he bought four cucumbers and three pots of dips. The next day, I couldn't face it. So, so you know, every, you just need to accept what you go through and also accepting that actually the drug I've just been on has affected me in such a way, but the next drug I'm going on, in, it hopefully, fingers crossed, won't. 
So my appetite might come back and I might actually be able to go and do that yoga class because some of the ladies I've spoke to that have been on the drug I'm going on still managed to do the school run, did the weekly shop, went out with friends for lunch, still worked. So I think, again, it depends on your own treatment really as to what you have and as to how you feel. But I just don't put any pressure on myself. That's how I kind of, you know, get through it and stay positive. I don't put any pressure on myself. Um, I, I do what I can. I eat what I can and just make the most of your good days, really. But you've, you have genuinely got to listen to your body. Sound advice. Definitely. And I think has it, so obviously you exercise, nutrition. Do you know, I was watching, I don't know if this is even going to, I was watching, have you watched that mushroom documentary on Netflix? <laughs> Fully enough, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's a mushroom documentary on Netflix and it talks about turkey tail mushrooms. Mm. Apparently um, are good for fighting cancer. Oh. So it says in it, watch the documentary if you get a chance. And it talks about mushrooms and the fact that because mushrooms are obviously come out of everything in the earth that's decomposed, so it's everything that's ever been on the earth yeah. as mushrooms. Wow. So it's saying that there's so many healing properties in these mushrooms wow. that we've never really gone down the route of. God, that's amazing. Yeah, and I think you can get, people swear by them, you can get like nutrients in mushroom capsules and yeah. all sorts of different things. I'm not talking about psychedelic mushrooms, but you know. <laughs> It's a different podcast altogether, that isn't it? Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, but I think uh, it, that does touch on that because that helps things as well. So, you know, I'm quite open-minded. I'm like, yeah, I'm me. And uh, genuinely, what will change is once I'm through this and I'm back to having a normal appetite and having the he- the strength and the ability to exercise, my lifestyle will change, definitely. And I'll be doing a lot more research into things that I should be eating and will help things like that going forward, definitely. Yeah, we well, it is, isn't it? And I think you know your health we take it for granted don't we yeah we absolutely do yeah I I think as you get older it's definitely something you begin to think about and and I suppose there's a reason why you don't do that when you're younger because otherwise we can't all be thinking about that constantly but it's it's definitely something that I've begun to think about a bit more and Mm. what's going into your body and and you know how you can make the most of it really yeah absolutely we're we're here for a lot longer these days aren't we and totally it's, it's really important it is so, okay, so have you, have, you ever, have you thought you've needed to do any kind of, you said about that you've not really changed anything mentally because you're hitting pause mm-hmm. and then you're hitting play. So in a sense of sort of wellness and mindfulness and all that sort of stuff, are you into all that anyway or is that something, have, have you been able to cope with it? Because obviously some people can go really, obviously really, really downhill, can't they, from a negative point of view and then you can get stuck in that spiral how have you managed to cope with that I wasn't and I'm probably not into all that into that mindfulness I don't I don't for one minute dispute it's you know it's effect that it has on people um that really go for it and that really believe in it and a lot of people get so much out of it and again from Instagram um I've been you know sent links and and pages and and you know lots of information around stuff that would help people but that's just that's not for me really I've just I've never have been into that sort of stuff and I I don't I don't even know why I haven't really I've I've, I'm just generally a positive kind of get on with it kind of person do you know what I mean and I've never really questioned why I've never been into anything like that I've tried and even like things like yoga and stuff I never did that because I'd lie there sitting there thinking oh my god I've got to do this I've got to do that I should be there I've got 101 things to do. So I don't, you know, I never used to switch off doing stuff that you should be switching off doing. I think I'm just better being busy and having, you know, stuff to do. I'm better in chaos, really. 
but a lot of people have reached out saying how much that has helped them and got them through. So talk, going to go back into fashion. Now. Okay, yeah. fabulous. So how, 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 how has it helped you or how have you, how have you maintained feeling good going through what you're going through using fashion and beauty and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so I would say that on my bad days, I've just accepted that I feel and look rubbish and that's fine. So then on my good days, I've really gone for it. So and when I say really gone for it, I mean, so when I go for my treatment, I make the effort. When I go for my bloods on a Wednesday, it's wig Wednesday. I put a wig on and I have to put a hat on because I haven't found a great wig yet with a great hairline. So I can only wear the wigs I've got with hats at the moment. Right, okay. So we'll... <laughs> yeah, so we, yeah, Gal can wear that, Julie. She hasn't actually seen the light of day yet, but she will, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but my cheat weeds from Amazon have seen the light of day. But yeah, so it's wig Wednesday, go for it, hat, full face of makeup, wig, bright clothes. Because what I have found that I've tended to navigate towards black quite a lot. And I think right. a lot of that is A, my headscarves match black. Any headscarf goes with black. Trying to coordinate mm. a patterned headscarf with an outfit is quite difficult to do. Yeah. And I do like to coordinate. But also, I think it makes you a bit invisible as well. You know, if you're wearing black, you're kind of not that seen, not that noticeable. So when I when I feel good, I make sure that I make the most of those days, really. Even if it's a day where I'm not going anywhere, I'll still put a bit of makeup on. I'll put proper clothes on, a bit of perfume on, a smell that takes me back to a time that I can think about that it was really happy and, and you know, good. So, you know, stuff like that, really. It's just making the most of the time that you've got. And then even on bad days, you know, getting out and having a, you know, having a bath rather than a shower and just managing to sit there and just relax and making the most of some time out of bed, having a bit of a read that, you know, I find that a bit of an escapism. A couple of friends have bought me different books. So that, you know, that definitely helps and, and, and not so much magazines, but just getting involved in a story and, you know, into something, get my head into something that takes my mind off things. So yeah, a number of things really that work for me. And do you think your sense of style has changed? So obviously you said you've gone more towards colour. Is that more than more than you used to go as well? Or do you think it's obviously when, when you first found out in the initial bits, you were wearing a lot, lot of black, but then you've gone back to colour? Or- yeah, it's more about wearing a lot of black since I've probably not had any hair really. Because when you, when, when you see a lady walking down the street in a headscarf, obviously there's multiple reasons why people wear headscarves, but you know, you can tend to tell, can't you, that it's because of hair loss. And, and the majority, obviously, you know, I've got a, 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 one of my best friends suffers with alopecia and wears headscarves a lot and has done for years. And actually she came around and did me a tutorial on how to tie them and give me a bit of Thank you. Thank you. This is just a quick updo. Um, and when I was in, when I was having treatment a couple of Thursdays ago, there was actually a lady in the room opposite me having treatment and she asked it, the, the nurse if I could go in and show her how to tie my oh. headscarf. So I was doing little tutorials while I was in there. That was great. But yeah, so, um, so my biggest change is the fact that I'm rocking a headscarf. Um, and the black thing, I think it's just because it, it just feel like a bit of a safe colour. And when you see a woman wearing a headscarf, you instantly, know they're ill and it's a bit of a telltale sign that you know the majority of people that have got headscarf because you can again see round by their ears and the back of their neck that they've got no hair um, you know the reason why they've got one on and you and it's just a, a telltale sign and so to try and fit in a little bit or just to try and not even stand out you know I, I probably have reached for black quite a lot so on days where I wear my wigs or I'm feeling really good about myself, I tend to try not to do that. I bought a jumper recently, a completely multicolored striped jumper, which I would never have bought before from, you know, from Gap. And I put it on and I just instantly feel really happy wearing this multicolored jumper, which is just daft. 
but it just brightens me up straight away. So yeah, I, I think my, my style probably has changed a little bit, not massively, because obviously, you know, fundamentally, I'm still, I still am who I am, but I do tend to find that if I go out and I haven't got a wig on, I tend to try and dress a bit more sedate so as not to stand out because, you know, you are conscious that people are probably looking at you feeling a bit of sympathy and, and, that, and that's fine because I, I did really, you know, if I saw a woman that, you know, looked like she'd got cancer, I would look and think, oh my God, what she must be going through. I'd have admiration for, you know, the fact that she's, you know, worrying on. I'm not even sure that's a word, but you know what I mean? But yeah, so it has changed a little bit, but again, I'm, it will only be temporary because I know for a fact that I'll get, just get back to how I was. So, in, so yes, you're still posting, you're still doing all that. And what, what is it that drives you to do that at the moment? Because a lot of people would just be like, no, I'm not doing it. I've had enough. I'm feeling crap. I'll, I'll do it. So is it, does it make you feel better when you do it? Yeah. It's a bit of normality on good days, if I'm honest. You know, yeah. plucking shoes out of the air and tops from behind yeah. my back. It's definitely a bit of normality on good days. And I am still shopping. Obviously, there's a, a period of time where I can't even look at my phone. But when I do yeah. look at my phone, I'm either responding to messages from fabulous people that are checking in on me um, or I am shopping. The parcels still come. James like, literally says to me on a daily basis, you've not lost that ability, have you? He'd <laughs> be worried about you then, wouldn't he, though? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's when yeah. you know it's really bad when the parcels exactly. stop coming. <laughs> yeah so I've got stuff to share you know and like I said it is it is on good days that bit of normality it definitely gives me a purpose and something to you know look forward to doing and have you always loved clothes and have you always had a sense of style is it just something that's been there forever I've always loved clothes, but God, no, I haven't always had a sense of style. I've got one best friend who I've been friends with since she's four, and I don't know where she plucks them from, but she finds photographs from the period of being four years old to the present day out of the air on a daily basis, um, and they are super embarrassing. But I was also the youngest of seven children, and the, the children above me were twins. I've got twin sisters that are five years older than me. And we didn't have an awful lot of extra money growing up. Seven kids, you know, my parents were grafters. They did, you know, they did, their, they worked like Trojans, their best for us, but there wasn't a lot of money, you know, for luxuries and for branded items and for extras other than necessities. And um, so there was a lot of hand-me-downs. And because I had twin sisters, I had two of everything. So me and my best friend thought we were just the bee's knees walking down the street in matching outfits right up until the age of about 14. But no, so no, I definitely haven't had a sense of style all, all along. And I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, I think style's quite a personal thing, isn't it? There'll be some people, yeah. and there are some people on Instagram, very few, but, you know, I've had a few horrible comments saying, oh my God, that's boring, that's dull, that's predictable. So I think style's quite a personal thing, really. I just think it's about finding what you feel good in and what suits you. And, 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 you know, and like I said to you at the very beginning, my purpose is very much to give people ideas on how to wear things differently and to get your money out of things, really. That's my biggest pur- purpose. But I think Instagram's fantastic, you know, for inspiration. And I think Pinterest is also fantastic. You just pop in black trouser outfit and you get thousands of ideas on how to do it. So, you know, and I, I rely on Instagram and Pinterest. I follow some fabulous women on here that give me a lot of ideas and inspiration. It's, it's, it's fab. And I, I think exactly as, as you go through 
life as well. You pick up different things, don't you? And then you some sort of there's some things that you wear more than others, and totally getting inspiration and seeing something that you've forgotten about. Yeah, you know, look at it and think, oh, actually, I could wear that with that. And yeah, you know, I think it's really good. I've got lots of those embarrassing photos as well. <laughs> I just put it down to being creative and trying different things. Yeah, I liked, and I think I like to think as well. At the time, it was trendy. Exactly, I was fashionable. But you just look back now and think, Christ Almighty, what the uh-huh. hell? Imagine if social media would have been around now. No, don't. I'm oh, so glad. Days. I'm in an I era am... where that wasn't the case. Well, that's why they don't really have that these days, do they? Because like kids nowadays have just look absolutely pristine all the time. Don't they? I remember when I was 12, I had a pair of National Health glasses. They were like milk bottom bottles. Yeah. And I thought it was the bee's knees. And then I come home and my 79-year-old neighbour, Mrs. Baldwin, had exactly the same pair. And I was 12. And I was like, oh, my God, Mom. I can't have these. Yeah, they're so, quite yeah. cool these days, though, they, they are, yeah. And I am re-rocking those as well, yeah. Yeah, you've got some gorgeous glasses, actually. Oh, thank you, thank you. So do you think clothes have the ability to change how you feel? Yeah, definitely. I think they give you confidence. Like I said about that stripy jumper, I think they can just lift and elevate your mood. And I think actually as well, when you're not feeling great, like I've said to you, you know, putting black on instantly makes me feel like I kind of blend in with the crowd a little bit more. So I think it, you can play it to you know, to, to, to both ends of the spectrum, really. And I suppose now as well, because I spend so much time in pyjamas and loungewear, even when I just put jumper and jeans on, I just, I feel a bit more special. I, you know, I feel a bit more dressed up. And I probably do look at some of the items in my wardrobe that I've got that I would have just thought were a bit mundane and bland before. And actually now they, you know, they do make me feel much better about myself. So I, I definitely feel like they can definitely influence your mood and make a difference to how you feel. Yeah, yeah. So, and dressing for comfort, so you sort of covered that there, haven't you? And I think mm. that, that's another thing for, for, for me as I, as I get older. You know, life's so so busy, isn't it? And mm. there's things going on all the time. And it's about how how you sort of find clothes. How do you do that? How do you find clothes that make you feel good but are also comfortable? Well, I think we're really lucky nowadays because, like, actually comfort is pretty fashionable, isn't it? You know, you can don a pair of leggings and a pair of trainers with a polo neck and a blazer. And you look great and you feel comfortable uh, or a big chunky jumper and some skinny jeans and some boots and a big scarf and you look great, but feel comfortable. If I think back to the time when I was working in quite a, quite a corporate environment in my, you know, very corporate dresses and my, my stupidly high heels tottering around, you know, thank God those days are over um, and I, I wouldn't have to go back to that again. I think we are dead fortunate now that actually, you know, you can be really comfortable and, and fashionable at the same time. Yeah, and and I actually think comfort is for for our age group anyway. I don't know about the younger ones. I think, I think the younger ones still do heels quite a lot, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. And I do heels for photos on Instagram, <laughs> but the reality is, you probably won't ever see me out in heels unless I'm going out, and that's probably about three times a year. So yeah, unless yeah. I'm going out for dinner and I'm just going to be sat down. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, totally. I can do heels then, or someone can carry me. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll just hold them when I'm walking down the road. That's it, yeah. Out. Got your flats on and you've got meal heels. Yeah, got yeah, it. Meal heels. Oh, exactly. I like it. That's it, meal heels. Heels meal purely people. just to go out for dinner because you're sitting down for 90% of the time. Yeah, yeah, I can do that, no problem. Rest mm-hmm. I used to be able to dance, run, I know, everything. I know. In heels. If I, I think just... about how fantastic I was in heels, I am very proud of myself. I was for how long more. and what I did in them but my, those days are gone and I'm all right I'm okay with that I'm all right I'll leave that to the youngsters I know exactly you need to hand them down don't you yeah. <laughs> yeah. their days will come <laughs> exactly well won't it so 
Do you have any tips for anyone out there struggling with style and beauty who are going through? You've sort of given, you've given so many tips, you've been brilliant. Have you got, is there anything else you want to add into that to anybody that's going through it at the moment? Anything that you could? Just literally go with whatever you want to go with. Just try and accept how you feel. It's okay to feel crap and to look crap and to feel rubbish but then try to make the most of the days where, you know, even if it is just putting a bit of lipstick on or spraying that bit of perfume, like I've said, um, just just need to go with whatever you feel with. There's no right or wrong. There's no pressure to be or do anything. And I think sometimes social media can do that. It can put a bit of pressure on you to feel like you've got to post or you've got to dress up or you've got to look a certain way. Um, and fortunately, I, you know, I, I've not really ever succumbed to pressure and, you know, I've never smoked, never drank, despite being a teenager and all your friends wanting to, you know, you wanting to get you to smoke, get you to drink and you're feeling like an outcast for not doing it. I've never really been one to do stuff because people think I ought to, you know, I just think you should really 100% just be true to you and just do what what's right for you um, and, and just go with that. So if you had to wear the same outfit forever, what would it be? So if I had to wear one outfit, I would say it would need to be something classic if I had to wear it for the rest of my life. So it would be something like a nice white shirt, a nice pair of jeans, a blazer, and some maybe some loafers. Yeah, would go with that. Thank you so much, Marie. It's been an absolute pleasure. You, you've been amazing talking through everything that you're going through um, and where you're up to. And I think other women will really find a lot of support and be really encouraged by what you've said and and if anybody wants to go and see where marie is on her instagram she's under sparkle and thread and she is sparkle you're bloody wonderful (laughs) so yeah go and check her out and see how fabulous she is not only in person but with her fashion and styling as well so thank you so much marie Oh, fab, Jen. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Um, I've loved every minute of it. And yeah, I'm just really grateful to have the platform to be able to talk about my experiences and share that with other people. And, you know, if anybody needs any support, if anyone's going through this, I genuinely 100% am there. So just message me on Instagram um, and, you know, I'm 100% there to support anybody that needs any, any help or advice. But thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure.